new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Today on the Alana Enquirer podcast, the off week, the bye week, it's over. It's time to get back to football talk, and we got plenty of it right here on the Alana Enquirer podcast today. We'll get you ready for the Illinois game at Minnesota as the 3-5 and five Illini take on the 5-3 and three Minnesota Golden Gophers. Two teams with similar expectations entering the season. Minnesota has met those expectations as they find themselves in a Big Ten West title race. Meanwhile, Illinois disappointingly finds himself at the bottom of the Big Ten West standings. But there is still a slight, small, narrow path to a bowl game. But if they're going to get there, they likely need to beat Minnesota this weekend. So we talk about it. We break down the Golden Gophers with my guy, Ryan Burns. He may be a Twins fan. He may be a Vikings fan. But I like the guy. Uh, And he's got great insight on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. What has made P.J. Flex program so consistent? How have they been successful? How are they atop the Big Ten West standings right now? He breaks it all down as well as previewing Minnesota's keys against Illinois because Illinois has been 2-0 under Brett Bielma against P.J. Fleck. So how does Fleck get off the schneid against uh, Bielma there? And uh, then I talk with Joey Wagner about everything Illinois. We talk about what Illinois need to accomplish on the off week, what it can accomplish for them, what is the key to surviving without Johnny Newton for a half due to his targeting call, Uh, what gives us confidence, and what concerns us going into Minnesota, and we talk a little bit of recruiting as well. So let's get to it. That's all coming up on the Alana Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Enquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash and get on your way to being your best self. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule all you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and if you and that therapist don't mesh you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge so make your brain your friend again and give better help a try visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash this is tony kornheiser show i'm tony we expected someone else 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's time to catch up with my guy, Ryan Burns. Go for Illustrated covers Minnesota for 24-7 sports. Uh, Ryan, congratulations on the Minnesota Twins playoff victory. <laughs> yeah, first time in essentially my lifetime. It's been uh, far too long, but it's good to know the kings of the AL Central can finally win a playoff game, can finally win a playoff series, and we'll see if Royce Lewis can carry us to the promised land in 2024. Yeah, uh, not to make this the uh, AL Central podcast, but King, Kings of the AL Central, I'll give you that. I have no, I have no retort to that. Freaking twins, freaking twins. All right, well, somebody had to be atop the Big Ten West standings, Ryan. And what do you know? It's it's Minnesota right now. How have they gotten there? Well, imagine if they didn't blow a twenty-four, uh, excuse me, a twenty-one point lead to Northwestern in the fourth quarter with thirteen minutes left. They'd be four and one in the Big Ten. They'd really have a commanding lead, especially with Ohio State still on the schedule. But that's the Big Ten West, where no one can get out of their own way at times, where no one has a good offense, where there's good defenses, certainly. But it's when you look across this this kind of vast abyss that is the Big Ten West in terms of quarterback play, I mean, you got six transfers in Nathan Kelly, McManus, and I would argue potentially Luke Altmyer is the best of them, which I know that's not saying a whole lot. But how has Minnesota got here? Well, they continue to run the football at an exceptionally high clip without their All-American, Mohamed Ibrahim, without their great center from last year and John Michael Schmitz. It's just the P.J. Fleck operation keeps humming, and they've figured out how to finally beat Iowa two weeks ago for the first time in Iowa City since 1999. I mean, how do they do that defensively? They've really figured some things out since the bye week, but even with running back five that they're currently on and former St. Charles North product, Jordan Newbin, Tyler's younger brother, who at no point in his St. Charles North tenure played running back. He was a receiver and a DB, switches to running back, and he runs for 200 yards last week, 120 after contact. Looked like Chase Brown out there with 10 missed tackles for us. So they just continue to hum along, and it's just you know what you're going to get when you play a P.J. Fleck-led team. And they just continue to do it anyway. Yeah, Illinois fans talk all the time, Ryan, about just get to a bowl game every year, and I would be happy with what the Illinois program has been over the last three decades. Well, Minnesota has done that, and I'm sure Gophers fans now want more. The, the elusive Big Ten West title is their last chance, obviously, at that. But they have found consistency. Uh, how has how has P.J. Fleck built that in Minneapolis? I think <clears throat> this year would be a prime example of the depth that they have where you're you're on RB5, and these aren't the days two years ago where it'd be Bucky Irving, who's now the star running back, obviously at Oregon, Kai Thomas, who was tremendous for them, and then transferred to Kansas, then now at Kent State. But you could just continue to do what you do well, and even though people know you're going to do it, they can't stop you. And I think for me, where it's really improved, why has Minnesota taken that next step in terms of beating Iowa this year, beating Wisconsin the last two years, finding consistency of in the last three full seasons of football, They've won nine or more games. They've become a lot better in the trenches. I mean, specifically this season, I think this is potentially their best defensive line group in terms of physicality, in terms of depth uh, that they've had in the Fleck tenure. I think you've seen that the last couple of weeks against Iowa 
in Michigan State with being able to shut down the run. And then offensively, they know what they want to be, and they just continue to execute it at a high level. I mean, they just want to be an offense that – I mean, I don't have to explain it to an Illinois fan. They want to just yeah. stay on the ground. I think they're seventh in the country in time of possession, but the big qualm here locally is I think they're 107th in scoring offense in terms of points per game. So they need to figure out a way to become more efficient. But when you can dominate time of possession, when you can be efficient at times in the red zone, and then you can just sit on the football and limit possessions for the opposing offense, that's how you do it. But I think it starts up front. Minnesota's become a lot better in the trenches since Fleck took over. I was going to say, it's not sexy, but it wins. In the Big Ten West, it's what Wisconsin and Iowa have done. It's what Illinois has been trying to do and has done the last two years, not as much this year. Uh, But as you said, they lost Mo Ibrahim. They lost John Michael Jingleheimer Schmitz. Uh, They lost Axel Rushmeyer. Um, Yet Minnesota can still run the dang ball. Uh, How have they done that, especially offensive line and then being on their fifth running back? Yeah, and we'll see if if Minnesota gets one of their uh, stud – freshman running backs back this weekend and Darius Taylor who's won Big Ten Freshman of the Week three times already this year Zach Evans won it uh, Freshman of the Week as well when Darius went down Fleck hasn't ruled either one of them out and it sounds like Minnesota may be able to get one of them back this weekend now Fleck hates to talk injuries I mean you know like I do you have to ask the question as a media member but you know you're not going to get the answer and so that's where if anything Fleck has really leaned into you're going to find out two hours ahead of time. Yep. You can ask the question. I appreciate you asking the question, but you can go two hours ahead of time. But Darius Taylor has been really good. I would argue if there's a running back that's going to return this weekend, it's going to be him. Six foot, 210 pounds. You think of a a bigger style of running back like that, and you think probably very downhill, going to run you over. He's just very slippery. I mean, yeah, he can run through you, but it's not like he's going to run over you. You just slip off him for whatever the reason may be. Um, but they just continue to run their inside-outside zone scheme so well. Offensive line-wise, they're old. I mean, they're, we're talking about all guys of illegal drinking age up front. Mm-hmm. They've had some uh, they've had some injuries up there. They lost their best guard last week. Tyler Cooper didn't play in the Michigan State game. We'll see if he returns this weekend. If not, it's going to be a true freshman at left guard and Greg Johnson uh, going against Johnny Newton, which terrifies the absolute heck out of me. Uh, considering we know how disruptive he's been. But they just continue to do what they do well. I mean, I I don't know how else to say it other than physicality up front. They continue to make little nuanced changes in their inside, mid, and outside zone scheme to where it keeps the linebackers at the second level off. And if they can just make the initial block at the line of scrimmage, they get five, six yards. And you know, like I do, for any Big Ten West offense, if you can be in second and third and short, Mm-hmm. You're going to be sitting a lot better than the Iowas of the world. Yeah, and uh, the third and medium and third and long numbers are not great for the passing attack uh, of Minnesota, as they are for, for most uh, Big Ten West teams here. But Ethan Kelly-McManus, Antioch kid from Illinois, um, this passing attack obviously not striking fear in, in a lot of people right now, but how would you evaluate Kelly-McManus in his first year and, and just the weapons he has around him? He's been inconsistent. Um, you know, there's been good moments. There's been bad moments. There's been everything in between. I would say I think he's either number one and number two in the Big Ten in terms of drops. I know he's had at least two interceptions hit the uh, hit the pass catcher in both of his hands, deflect up in the air for an interception. So maybe the stats are a little bit inflated. But I would say the completion percentage is what it is because he's been inconsistent with ball placement, whether it's been a little bit behind, whether we've seen – you know, some into the ground. We've seen some overthrows. 
it just hasn't been consistent, especially as he's trying to launch the ball down the field. I mean, deep passes for him have been just a little bit off where Minnesota's had guys break open deep and it just, he hasn't been able to find them. That was the story of the North Carolina game where I didn't think North Carolina was particularly great outside of Drake May, who is obviously potentially the number one overall pick defensively. They weren't that good. Minnesota had guys open, but Ethan couldn't hit the broadside of a barn at times. Just very inconsistent with his accuracy, and that's been the story. Is I don't know that Minnesota knows what they're going to get from game to game, series to series, even potentially play to play. Now, I will say the first half of last week, 13 of 18 for 190 yards and a touchdown, was arguably his best 30 minutes of play uh, at any point this season. But then you look at the second half, one of four with a pick, and then Minnesota runs it 19 straight times to ice the game. So it's some of it is Ethan. Some of it is Fleck is historically been. If they get a lead, they're just going to run the ball, and they're just going to continue to move on. Yeah. So it, they don't work on the passing game a ton, but when they do, I mean, you can see why it's inconsistent, but they just don't work on enough for me. Yeah. I've been a big fan of what Joe Rossi has done uh, in his time with the Gophers as defense coordinator. How's that defense holding up this season? Obviously, Tyler Newbin, St. Charles kid, is is really dang good at safety. Yeah, and and um, here's what I would say about the about the defense: very inconsistent in the first six weeks of the of the season. They had going into that North Carolina game allowed 20 points or less in their previous eight contests. Then the North Carolina game happens through Michigan. They allowed 24 or more points in all of the contests through there. What happened? Missed tackles, missed assignments, poor angles. Um, where Minnesota, if they do allow 20-something or more points, it's been explosive passing plays that have killed them. They've been pretty good against the run all year, but North Carolina just daggered them with explosives. Northwestern daggered them with explosive passing plays. That's how Ben Bryan, of all people, peace and love to that young man, <laughs> should never have thrown for 396 yards and four touchdowns. It should have never happened but it's been the explosive passing play. The bye week happens, and in the two subsequent games since, now I'm not here to try and sell you that Iowa or Michigan State's offenses are particularly good. They're not. They're dreadful. But I, you know what the, both of them want to do because they don't have stellar quarterbacks. They want to run the football. Prior to Minnesota's game against Iowa, Iowa had run the ball for over 200 yards in each of their previous two games with their tailbacks. Minnesota limited them to 20 carries for 33 yards. That's how you beat Iowa and Iowa City. Last week, Nathan Carter, I think, is a pretty good running back in the Big Ten for Michigan State. They hold him to 49 and uh, the rest of the Spartan running backs, 49 rushing yards. And so that's where I'm very intrigued to see what happens this weekend with Caden Fegan is I don't know that Minnesota's played anything like what Derrick Henry Light looks like there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can verify his his height and size it's, it's i look online it says 6'3 250 pounds uh, i know at 24 7 sports we had him listed in the 220s so if he is north of 240 yes. i don't know that minnesota's played a gigantic running back like this in quite some time um but i'll tell you this much they've been really good at stopping the run and i'm sure joe rossi is as happy as anybody that chase brown is no longer here <laughs> That's right. I, I think we were, we were exchanging emails yesterday and chase brown has just killed minnesota the last two years both games over 100 yards after contact he forced 10 missed tackles forced in both of those contests i mean there is nobody more happy to see chase brown gone than joe rossi because he has just 
been a thorn in the side of Minnesota. 41 carries last year against Minnesota. It was ridiculous. It um, was absurd. <laughs> and he is, I will have, you know, I think you and I both see it the same way where maybe you were a big Mo Ibrahim fan, maybe more than some of the other Big Ten people. I am as big of a Chase Brown guy as you're going to find because every time he played Minnesota, mm-hmm. he just killed them. Yeah. All right. Um, Brett Bielma is 9-0 and against Minnesota, including 2-0. and at Illinois, I mean, obviously those Wisconsin teams are really good. Minnesota wasn't great. I mean, that was a lot of Tim Brewster at the time, right? Yep. So, so racked up wins during that time. But uh, what, what do you attribute that to, especially the last two years? I mean, you mentioned Chase Brown is is a mm-hmm. big part of that. But you know, Illinois kind of wanted to be where Minnesota is, and it felt like last year. Okay, now they're kind of going into this season with similar expectations. Maybe he doesn't have the depth yet that that PJ's built up in, in his program to to be as consistent, mm-hmm. but. What do you make of Bielma's success so far against Fleck? I think of it, and I think it's pretty simple for me. It starts up front. Why has Brett Bielema teams at Wisconsin always been so good? They were, you know, they were, <laughs> I'll keep it PG. They, they kicked you in the mouth or they punched you in the mouth up front, both offensive line, defensive line. I think back to that first game for Brett Bielema against Minnesota and Minneapolis. I think they came out and stunned Minnesota up front. I mean, they were just so physical, and I don't think Minnesota was expecting that, and they never recovered. I know there weren't a lot of points scored in that game, but to me it started up front. And then you look at last year's game, yes, Chase Brown's really good, but it was offensive and defensive line-wise. Minnesota's quarterbacks were under constant duress all day. Minnesota couldn't get a stop on third down at any time. Tommy DeVito was just running all over them, too, at certain points. And so that's why they're 9-0 and to me, is Bielema knows that it starts up front. And that's where it, this game is particularly interesting to me. I know Vegas essentially has it as a pick at this yep. point. I think Minnesota is a one-and-a-half or a two-point favorite. But to me, for the first time maybe ever that Brett Bielema has played Minnesota, I'd argue Minnesota on paper, in theory, has the edge up front. I mean, I don't have to detail to you what it looks like, the struggles of the Illini offensive line. Johnny Newton missing the first half of this game is absolutely massive. For my money, he's the best defensive tackle in the entire Big Ten. And so Minnesota's got to start fast. But to me, if you can shut down, uh, number one, the running game for Illinois, which they've done at least the last two weeks now. They haven't done it against Brett Bielema in his time. And then for, uh, force Luke Altmeyer to not be able to scramble because, you know, like I do, he is so lethal as a scrambler. I looked up the stats yesterday. He's got – the most amount of scramble yards of any Big Ten quarterback, and it, he's got him by like 120. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he's got 435 non uh, sack adjusted rushing yards there. I mean, he has been really good. He ran for 100 yards the week before. So if you can just make the Illini beat you with the passing game to me and try and shut down Isaiah Williams as best you can, a lot easier said than done because you know how good he is, like I do. But to me, that's where it starts. Why is Brett Bielema 9-0 against Minnesota? He's punched them in the mouth on the offensive and defensive lines. And if that's going to change this weekend for Minnesota to finally get over the hump, they got to punch back. We mentioned Kelly Ekmanis. We mentioned the running backs and Tyler Newbin. Who are some of the other players that Illinois fans need to know going into this Minnesota game? I'd tell you that they're going to force feed the ball in the passing game to Daniel Jackson, someone that went 7 for 120 in a touchdown last week. All seven catches were for first downs. I know Isaiah Williams is two in the big time behind that Marvin Harrison fella out there at Ohio State. Uh, Daniel Jackson. Get to the Bears, the please. Get to the Bears, please. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, well, we, we, I don't want to divulge into 
you don't want to know what my quarterback situation is up here in Minneapolis now because sweet giblets and junipers, is it not good? <laughs> that was but, the most Minnesota thing I've ever heard you say, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, Daniel Jackson, top five in receiving yards, top five in receptions. They're going to force feed him the ball. I think he's got something absurd, like a 35% target share in this passing game. Um, so when they do throw the ball, it's going to be to him. Defensively, they got their best linebacker back last week, had missed the first seven games of the year with a soft tissue injury that was sustained in fall camp, re-aggravated it during trying to rehab. Returned last week, was on a snap count of 40, hit all of them, thought he'd look good. I would anticipate him starting. That's Cody Lindenberg. And then we're going to see, I think, maybe the X factor in this game. And I know Isaiah Williams runs about 80% of his snaps from the slot, but Minnesota's best corner, I think, is questionable for this game. Now, Fleck won't talk about it, but Justin Wally made a, a tackle near the line of scrimmage last week in the in the second half, did not return after leaving the field. I, I don't know if he's in the concussion protocol. Again, P.J. Fleck refuses to give any more detail than he needs to, which is ironic considering his personality is five <laughs> Red Bulls all the time. Trust me. He and I'm Lovey well Smith aware. have so many differences, but there, that's where they, they convene right there. Injuries is the thing is I would say injury talking about injuries is the bane of PJ flex existence. And now that there's that two hours of beforehand availability report, he can just say, you'll find out two hours ahead of time, mm-hmm. but we'll see if Wally can return Lindenberg's back. And then up front, I mean, there's too many guys on Minnesota's defensive line. That's been the nice part for them. Different guys have made plays every week. They get to rotate guys. So you're only seeing guys play 30 to 40 snaps, unlike what Johnny Newton's playing on a given week, which makes all of what he's doing so much more impressive when he's playing 60-plus snaps a game. But Daniel Jackson on offense, we'll see who's carrying the rock uh, for Minnesota, but we'll see if Lindenberg can really provide an impact in trying to slow down Caden Fegan. i got to ask you, who's going to win the West? Oh, well, here's the thing. I spent a lot of time talking about this yesterday with some people. How crazy would it be to think? Because let's let's talk about it, mm-hmm. all right? So you got Wisconsin, who's now without Braylon Allen, potentially, gets banged up in that Ohio State game, doesn't return, has, uh, I believe, a boot on his left foot. They're already without Ches Malusi. They're already without Tanner Mordecai. I mean, what does Wisconsin look like? I know that their schedule isn't exactly murderer's row here for the month of November, just like Iowa. But even with Iowa, you just fired your offensive coordinator for in, in a month. You've already let him know. He's got his pink slip. Mm-hmm. He's out the door. The head coach is clearly upset about it. And so I'm very intrigued to see what that team looks like. Nebraska's won five of their last six. And you could argue, of all the teams, it's just like what they continue to do, even though the forward pass there with Henrik Harburg is a theory. But And then you have Minnesota. But Minnesota's got the most difficult schedule left with Illinois this weekend. Then they have to go face former defensive coordinator and Ryan Walters. Then, oh, by the way, you get to go play the number one team in the country in the horseshoe, which Minnesota hasn't won there in quite some time. And then you finish at home against Wisconsin. So if you asked me which of these teams, I I would say either Iowa or Nebraska, which is crazy to say. Yeah. But look at the schedules for some of these teams, man, especially for the uh, for the last two weeks of the year where Nebraska's got Wisconsin and then Iowa on Black Friday. We're talking about if Nebraska can win those two games and Minnesota does lose to Ohio State and they finish 7-2, and two, Matt Rule and that team potentially to Indianapolis. How crazy is that? 
I'd say a lot about Scott Frost as well. Sorry, I had to get, yeah. my, dig. Had to get my dig in there uh, before we got out of here. Uh, how nervous are Minnesota fans about Fleck appearing on the Michigan State hot boards? Well, shoot, I even saw that uh, some betting site for if Jim Harbaugh goes, he's like the number one target apparently. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, it's every single year we see, I, whether it was Tennessee. Florida State. I just – I'm so tired of uh, kind of the speculation. What Do I think that a Fleck would be very interested in a Michigan? Absolutely. Do I think Michigan need, goes down the list enough potentially to P.J. Fleck? I don't. I think there's going to be more interest in that job than um, potentially anybody would think. Michigan State, I would be very surprised if – well, here's the other thing I would say a part of it. Do you know when the last time was a sitting Big Ten coach like P.J. Fleck took a different Big Ten head coaching job. It's very frowned upon. It's been since 1972, since the last time that happened. We're talking about 51 years. Now, is Michigan in a tier by themselves above Minnesota? 100%. But I will just believe it when I see it, when it's been 51 years since the last time a Big Ten head coach left for a different Big Ten head coaching job, Let's just see if it happens before we continue to go forward with it. All right, before I let you go, is is this it for Ben Johnson, leading the Minnesota basketball program? Is this the last chance? Oh, that's a great – I mean, they got to show progress. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think athletic director Mark Coyle wants to see is I know they've been bit by the injury bug, but you got to show progress in year three because it has just been absolutely dreadful. And the worst thing that can happen, as you know like I do, is apathy. And if it just becomes a point at some point in February and March where the where the barn is just 40% full, no one's coming to games, that would be the red glaring <laughs> siren that would be going off in my head that he's already got the lowest buyout in the Big Ten, but he's got to show some sort of progress to give fans anything to grasp onto. Because largely outside of football in this town, this is a big basketball market. It's just the Minnesota Timberwolves have been absolutely dreadful for so, so long. Go for basketball has had their moments, but they've been so dreadful here recently. If you give these people in this market any good basketball to hang on to, they'll come, they'll show up, they'll watch. But it's on Ben Johnson and that staff to get this team to be watchable in 2023-2024. Well, good luck with Josh Dobbs. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, I I wish they would have just blown the thing up because peace and love, whether it's Jaron Hall, Josh Dobbs, Sean Mannion, uh, maybe they can trade for Tommy DeVito after they put him on waivers. I, I just don't know how you continue to – I mean, that's, that's the thing that frustrates me. Well, Kirk was Jordan having his Addison best coming year, too. Into his own. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson is good. You got, J, you got Justin Jefferson, who will hopefully be off IR in a couple weeks, and plus Brian Flores and this defense got it going. It's just – Kirk Cousins, the most dependable and healthy quarterback in the modern football era, has that happen, and it's just the football gods in Minneapolis have not been kind. Hated it. Hated it, but stay out of my tank business, okay? Yeah, if you trade us Colson Montgomery, we can talk about it for them White Sox. (laughs) Ryan Burns, you're the goods, man. See you. See you. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Alana Enquirer's favorites are the basketball ringer tee, the rose tee, and the 1980s long sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. 
Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Home Field Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. New CBS Monday, NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's Joey Wagner. After after the off week, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Got a little, got a chance to get away for a weekend. I missed the Kansas scrimmage. Looks like you and Piper exhibition, I should say. I guess looks like you and Piper handled that. Pretty good atmosphere. Looks like Fantastic. good game. Illinois looked good, but back, ready to go. Final four games this football season. And by the way, Jeremy, it's November, so it's also basketball season. Yeah. For us too. How was Nashville? It was good. We uh, I mean, I, we don't do all the Broadway stuff. My friend lives there. We just we hit some dive bars around. And I say dive bars. They're not like horrific dive bars. It's just not the Broadway thing, right? And that, like that's kind of Broadway for for people who don't know. That's kind of our scene when we go on the road. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our annual, or I guess every other year trip to Minneapolis. We hit two this year at the Big Ten basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. Our normal bar there and a juicy Lucy. This be a good. Can't wait. What a couple weeks here. Can't wait. Well, we got a six pack of questions to preview Illinois against Minnesota. The line moving in Illinois' direction for this one, by the way, Joey. Uh, started off four points. Minnesota started as the favorite. That has moved to about one and a half, two, depending on uh, what book you look at. Uh, but obviously, if Illinois, I think, has any delusions of making a bowl game or any realistic um, opportunities of making a bowl game, you know, a trip to Iowa is never easy for me. And I, I know they're beatable because they don't score many points, but boy, that defense and special teams are really, really good. Um, so I, I think maybe not must win, Joey, but bowl game, you need this one after what happened against Wisconsin. You do. Um, man, there's so many opportunities, right? If you look back over the course of the last eight games, that this wouldn't be as – it's always going to be an important game, but you got – yeah, I mean – if you're going to say you got to win three of the four, your pick isn't going to be in Iowa City. And they've got to win three of the four to get into a bowl game. They'd like to obviously go 4 0, but I don't. They've won back to back games in a calendar year. So, got to see. Got to see what happens. It's a huge game, winnable game. That, that's the thing. Like, Illinois is in a stretch of winnable games. Iowa would probably be the most difficult, but this is a very winnable stretch to get where they need to be. It's just a matter of doing something they haven't done all year and stringing something together for a couple weeks. All right, Joe, so let's get into our six-pack of questions here. And number one is Illinois coming off the off week. What did they gain most during the off week? Health and rest. I would say, I mean, honestly, those are they, there's self-scouting, right? There was on-the-road scouting, all of those things. But you went into the week knowing that Johnny Newton was not going to be available for the first half in Minnesota. That means Keith Randolph, I mean, you're putting that dude on like, in a full body cast bed rest, right? To make sure he's ready to go. It sounds like he will be. We'll see what happens in Minneapolis. Reggie Love, getting him back to compliment Caden Fagan. And then you just look, obviously there's nicks and bruises here and there, right? It is eight football, eight Big Ten or five Big Ten games, eight football games going into it. 
But I think you've seen, especially on the offensive line, as they've gotten healthier, Josh Geske, Zy Chrysler in particular, like they play better football. They, they just have. Zy Chrysler has played better football the last two weeks, and he's healthier. Josh Geske, I think Bart Miller would tell you, he didn't play him probably as much looking back against Wisconsin. They really wanted to get him to the bye week. Uh, but he, he, you saw a little bit of him, and, and it's kind of the way that he had been playing before he got hurt. So, I mean, I don't know. Is that a cheap answer? I just think getting rest, getting health was so important for this team. So when I wrote health, uh, you hope, right? Because, listen, if you would have played Minnesota last week and, you know, Johnny Newton is suspended for the first half and Keith Randolph wouldn't have played. He, he would not have played. Brett Bielma said he was basically on track to be cleared this week. And we'll talk with Brett Bielma on Thursday to, to get any kind of update of whether he's practiced or not. Um, Keith, it still seems like he's a little questionable. Like we don't know for sure whether he will play quite yet. We'll probably find out two hours before, but there's at least the chance. Uh, so the fact that you could get another potential NFL player on your defensive line when you're going to miss one for the first half, uh, I think is really important. I think Reggie Love gives you an upgrade at running back, whether that's the first guy or second guy. Like, it doesn't matter. They're going to rotate those guys. Caden Fagan's been taking some hits here recently. It's nice to get him an off week and, and rest up a little bit. Isaiah Williams, I think, has probably been more bumped and bruised than than people would know. So to get him healthy a little bit, just the entire roster. And I agree with you. Josh Geske is a big one. Uh, Zy Chrysler getting more time off. Uh, I think it's important for those guys to get going because this game is about bringing your hard hat, Joey. How has Illinois beaten Minnesota the last two years? They've outplayed them in the trenches. And two years ago, that was a shock because, I mean, Minnesota was loaded on the offensive line a couple years ago. And Illinois' defensive line dominated them. And the offensive line was kind of Isaiah Adams, uh, one of his coming out party games, I thought, uh, two years ago. So, uh, to get that rest and maybe a couple extra days to prepare uh, for, for the coaching staff. I do think that matters. Brett Bielman mentioned he's 3-1 and one after off weeks uh, at Illinois. One of those against Charlotte, but two of those were against Big Ten teams. So uh, I think all those things are, are beneficial. I would like to know what Brett Bielman has, like what little random stats he has in the bookie. I know that obviously coaches, for, for people who don't know, are given some, some stats and info on their way up to the podiums. I, I'm getting the sense he doesn't need a lot in some of those stats. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. And, and I think they mentioned trying to watch the Minnesota game last week live in which a, a fifth ra- or a fifth string running back, much like Illinois is kind of flirting with, mm-hmm. uh, went in there and, and had a really good football game. So the, the extra days certainly doesn't help. I mean, now I, I think when we say that, that doesn't mean that, you know, they're funneling all that information to the players on Thursday of last week, Friday of last week. It's, just more intel for them to build into the game plan. Certainly the players are, are doing their own thing and are able to watch these games and do that. But that doesn't, you know, I don't want any misgivings that beginning last Monday, they're like, it's all Minnesota here on out. There's a lot of get right work, Devo work, things along those lines. Well, you lead me right into the next question. Number two, what issue did Illinois have to address most during the off week? And I'm going to steal one. I'll go first here, Joe. I'm going to steal one from you of what you wrote after the end of the Wisconsin game. And that's the end-of-half defensive issues. Listen, I know the offense still has things it needs to work on, but I think largely seven of the last eight quarters have been pretty good for the Illini offense. Like, I'm encouraged by what they've done. When you look across the rest of the Big Ten West, there's some there's some explosiveness to this Illinois offense a little bit. It needs to be more consistent. But defensively, these end-of-half letdowns. Wisconsin, two of their touchdowns, we're at the end of the halves, right? And, and the end of the first half, especially, Joey, when you have a chance to go in, um, would have been up 14 to nothing. Um, right. Yeah, 14 to nothing. 
You had it, the stat. The opponents have scored five times on the final possession of the first half. Four of those are on touchdowns. Now, Aaron Henry's job is to go back and look, is anything of that have to do with what I'm doing schematically? And at the end of the Wisconsin first half, not the end of the game, he did run more zone. And Brett Bielma brought that up in the post game. But also the players, man, got to execute. Got to execute. Got to have a sense of urgency even at the end of the half. You can't just feel like oh, we're going to be up 14 nothing and we're going to win this game. Uh, Aaron Henry talked a lot about a sense of urgency from those players that we got to learn how to close these games, and I would say close these halves. Yeah, I would be shocked. I mean, just mentioning his zone, Minnesota's still got a first-year starting quarterback. He's got eight games, nine games, whatever it is, under his eight games under his belt. I would be shocked if they go to, to zone at the end of the first half this week. Like, this, He's a young quarterback still. Try to confuse him. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a huge one. I'll, I'll go to the other side of the ball, Jeremy. Offensively, score more points. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm not – that's so cheap. I get it. And it's so – but that's what this offense is missing is those trips to the end zone. It was, it's kind of like a big holistic offensive picture of a year ago. Remember Chase Brown had all the yards. Mm-hmm. But when you tried to talk about these end-of-year awards, like, well, they didn't score touchdowns. Yep. Like the offense has in a lot of ways, not consistently, but they are putting up yards. Those are like very heavy drives and light drives. But they're, they're moving the ball in, in a lot of ways. But they're just not getting into the end zone. And, and they've got to they've got to figure out how to – to get consistently down there, get themselves chances in the red zone where they've been better, and get some points on the board. Because in the Big Ten West, if you can score points, you're the best offense in the West. Yeah. Now, I mean, they, they that's the West does not score the ball very well. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna miss. Am I wrong? No, you you are right. And and here's what I think of a key to that is they have to more consistently get to the red zone. Right, like they when they get to the red zone, they are converting this year. They're eighty-seven percent touchdown percentage. Once they get to the red zone, they fixed that issue. Their issue right now is just getting there. Uh, I was just doing the quick math. They're averaging two point eight red zone trips per game. Last year, it was close to four. Right, so think about what a difference a field goal would be. I mean, how many field goals has Illinois made this year? Six. Like just getting some of those points would would really help if Illinois can just get across the forty a couple more times. Not even the red zone, Joe. It's just like get across the forty, get across the thirty, and get some of those opportunities to put points on the board. Um, they need to have more of those eight play drives. Like more consistently have those eight play drives. Listen, this team's been more explosive. They've had more of those explosive five or six play drives this year. That's a step in the right direction. But unlike last year, they're not putting together those eight-plus play drives uh, that just get you to the red zone and get you some kind of points that would make would make the difference in some of these games, um, especially obviously Wisconsin would have helped you and helped you win time of possession. That's what this Minnesota team does extremely well: is they win time of possession, they grind you, they they limit the opponent's possessions. The Illinois offense needs to play a little bit more complimentary football and keeping the defensive off the field, but also just give themselves a chance to to make some 40-plus yard field goals. Like that, that would be a positive for this team. But once they've gotten in that scoring zone, you know, I'll give I'll give a lot of credit to Barry Loney for the play calls, but also Luke Altmaier. He, he is a weapon. He is hard to contain once you get in that red zone. So just get there more often. Yeah, their offense is interesting. So, I mean, if I tell you right now, they're averaging 365.5 yards a game. That's six in the Big Ten second in the west it doesn't feel like that because it's they're not scoring like 80, enough points <laughs> well that and there's, there's like 80 play drives 
and then there's like 10, 15, or, or less play. Like they, they go very, very cold. Yeah, 80 like yard drives. Not, yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, a, yeah, I'm sorry, 80 yard, 80 yard drives, and then like three or four, three and outs. Feast right? or famine. Three and four where you get one. It's very feast or famine. Got to be more consistent because that'll allow them to get some more of those red zone opportunities and be able to take advantage of what, what they have significantly improved. That might be the most offensive improvement we've seen of this team year over year. All right, number three, big storyline going into this game. How does Illinois' defense survive the first half without their superstar, Johnny Newton? I saw Dane Brugger had him number 21 overall in his uh, new big board at The Athletic. Uh, and then I-, I talked with Jordan Reed. If you haven't, check out that story. Uh, he had him number 14 I think in, in his latest mock draft going to Lante's Arizona Cardinals at the time, I think they've gone up with Houston Texans loss uh, to number 12. So uh, obviously top 25 pick, how do they survive that first half before he comes back? Probably with a lot of urgency in that second half. Yeah. You, you hope Keith Randolph is back. You put Gabe Ackes' hand on the ground and you might try to dial up a little bit to make a quarterback uncomfortable. You try, try to rattle him as much as you can with it. Stop the run. Like if you can stop the run against Minnesota, you're going to take your chances with, with what you've got. And obviously that's harder to do with, one, the way that they run the ball. They, they're very good at that. They have been. And also just not having Johnny Newton. Like it's hard to stop the run when you don't have a top 25 pick. That's what it is. The first half is survival to me. Survive. Well, I don't know what you would call a win, a first half win defensively if, if Johnny Newton is not out there. But you've got to stop the run and you need you need Keith Randolph back. You really do. And then you just kind of patchwork by committee until you get to that third quarter. Yeah, obviously Keith Randolph isn't as disruptive as Johnny Newton. Nobody right now in college football on the interior defensive line is. But to to get him back and then pair him with Gabe Ackes. Because, Joey, I fully expect Gabe Ackes to be a defensive lineman again, despite Brett Bielma last week saying he's an outside linebacker. Um, Maybe that's just discussion with Gabe, or maybe he's just not trying to tip his hand to Minnesota. But, you know, talking with – Terrence Jamison, defensive line coach, he said Gabe has been dual cross, dual training at both outside linebacker and defensive line, but with potentially Randolph still questionable and, and Newton out, I would imagine they're trying to get their best talent on the field. I loved that. I loved what they did against Wisconsin, getting Gabe back on the interior defensive line, played about 50 snaps there. And I just thought his strength held up at 265 pounds. Like you can see how strong he is against Wisconsin's defensive line, uh, but also his quickness He's quicker as an interior defensive lineman than he is as an edge rusher. Um, so I'm expecting him to stay there long term. I know that's a big topic, but I just think he's good there. But in this game specifically, he's better than your other options. Like said, McConnell is a nice rotation player for them right now. Bryce Barnes, nice rotational player. They're going to need those guys to step up too, but they're not as good as Gabe Ackes as a defensive lineman. And Alec Bryan or Ezekiel Holmes and, and Seth Coleman are better more impactful players than whoever you'd have on your interior defensive line so if you get Keith Randolph back and have Gabe Backus, I still feel like your defensive front can be pretty good but they have to hold up against one of the better rushing attacks you've seen this year um, if Darius Taylor comes back their freshman running back has been a stud this year their offensive line is really good at the tackle positions but uh, there is some opportunity on the interior of that uh, offensive line with John Michael Schmitz now in in the NFL so um I feel like you can make do there, but boy, you you better be physical because uh, Minnesota's offensive line, like they are, their identity is what Brett Bielma has been trying to build here. Do you try to dial anything up? I mean, do you trust your secondary? Trust where kind of where Minnesota's at as a passing offense? I think you would try to 
try to get Kanana Odaluga, try to get Dylan Rosiak and James Cruz to to get after the quarterback because he's yeah, and he, he's you had go some, man. some growing pains. You certainly go man. Daniel Jackson is a concern. He's a very good wide receiver, mm-hmm. but the rest of their guys, I feel like Xavier Scott can cover Corey Crooms. I feel like Taz Nicholson can cover Daniel Jackson, and allowing man to man might allow Taz to kind of shadow right uh, Daniel Jackson or Xavier Scott, whoever it is. But I'm not as concerned about whoever Zach Toby or Tyler Strain has to play unless they get matched up with with Daniel Jackson, of course. But then you have Miles Scott over the top. So, yeah, this this wide receiver crew doesn't scare me. Brevin Span Ford, the tight end, had a huge year last year. He's got 15 catches for 100 yards. Like Tip Ryman has outgained him. And Brevin Span Ford was an all-Big Ten preseason guy. So uh, they don't scare me with the passing attack and – the, the one thing about Ethan Kaliak-Manis, he, he, he's got talent, man. Like, he's got an arm. He can throw it downfield. He's not that accurate with the ball. His ball placement is not great. So if you're in man, that might give you some opportunities. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's a young quarterback, too, right? I mean, you, yep. I know he's got all these games up this year under his belt. You want to try to get to him. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how Aaron Henry just tries to get through this first half. And beyond that, like, can we just zoom out really quickly? What – I'm fascinated to see what Johnny Newton looks like. I'm sure he's going to be pissed off, right? Yeah. That they didn't play the first half. I'm just really like, that is such an interesting dynamic. Cause I don't know that you and I have really covered and definitely not to a player of Newton's level. We covered Stanley players. green had a couple of yeah. just a few first halves. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the way Johnny Newton can wreck a game and wrecked the last game, like what he does in the second half and, and how he looks and, and the intensity, and I don't think intensity is going to be a problem, by the way. Yeah. Like, that is just so – what an what a storyline, right, to go into this game and just seeing what that looks like after halftime. I'm trying to remember – like, Stanley Green is the only one that comes to mind of a targeting suspension for me. Um, the most recent one that I can think of. Have we had one there's during the game? There's got to be another one, right? Like, there's got to be a line. Like, one doesn't seem like enough the way it can. I mean, it seems like targeting. Did Delshawn Phillips ever have one or anything? I don't. None of it's coming to mind. I mean, I've forgotten a lot of what I've covered. Did Milo Did Milo Eifler have one? It might be. That sound. But none is, impic- none, none is impactful as this one, obviously. I can't even Google Illinois football targeting right now because, like, the way SEO works is I'm just going to get 150 Johnny, Johnny Newton stories. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> All right, Joey, uh, let's go to number four. What concerns you most about this game at Minnesota? Not having Johnny Newton for the first half. I was on my list. <laughs> I just, if you can hold, let's let's talk about like what does winning surviving the first half look like? You get him to ten. 10 points, 7 to yeah. 10 points? Do you, yeah, if you, if you, I would say that's a win. If, against this offense, that doesn't scare me, but they can control the clock. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. If you hold them to 10 points going to the half, like I, you got to count on your offense to, to match that. I, we'll see if they can, but I think that would be a job well done by Aaron Henry and his defensive players. Yeah, I'll say just kind of letting it, letting it get – they score maybe 13 and your offense doesn't get it going – and you face the first half deficit before your best player gets on the field. Like just not having him is a concern to me. Yeah. Um, obviously the physical Minnesota rushing offense against an Illinois rushing defense. Hand in hand a little bit though. Yeah. The, the rushing defense has been, I think they've been really pretty good through the first three quarters of the last two games, but Roman Hemby kind of got loose in the fourth quarter for Maryland. And then Braylon Allen had a spectacular fourth quarter uh, against Illinois. So, 
getting worn down by that run game. Like I feel like Illinois will battle. They can do it for three quarters. Can you do it for four quarters? That's what they got to show. We can talk all about the the passings passes they've given up. Those runs have just been killer um, by by some of these teams here recently. Uh, Tyler Newbin concerns me. He is potentially the best safety uh, in the Big Ten. He probably is the best safety in the Big Ten. Uh, Brugler had him as the number one safety in the draft coming up. Uh, so former four-star in-state kid that Lovey Smith wasn't able to get. P.J. Fleck was. Brett Bielma seems like he's going to win a couple more of those recruitments and and not let P.J. Fleck steal all this Illinois talent because, boy, this roster is loaded with him. But he's a great free safety, so Luke Altmeyer has to beware of him because uh, he can he can go get the ball. Who was the safety? Lubby, did Lubby coach his dad in the NFL? He's a stud in the NFL now. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I'm sure he was at, was he not at Minnesota before this? Winfield? Antoine Winfield? Yeah. Pretty good player. Minnesota does pretty well with safety. Uh, they're great. They're a very good program. Just a, a very good, consistent program that no matter what you think of PJ Fleck, like he recruits well, he develops well. Uh, he has coaches leave all the time, but seems to replace them pretty well, except for Joe Rossi, who has stuck around here. They have an identity, and, and they continue. They know exactly who they are, dude. They and know boy, exactly who they are. And their depth is phenomenal. Like, you know, they lose all these running backs all the time, and they continue to get guys who run for 100-plus yards uh, per game. They got DBs that have gone to the NFL. The Bears drafted one, Terrell Smith. Last year, their offensive linemen continue to go to the NFL. Uh, they don't seem to always have a bunch of great front seven guys, but they seem to have depth there, uh, and they seem to have some strength and physicality there. So he's kind of built what you want Brett Bielema to build, and Brett Bielema's beat, beat him twice in a row here. Uh, so it's show, we thought Illinois could maybe be the same tier, maybe surpass Minnesota, but Fleck is in year seven. He, he's recruited class after class. And that seems to be what Bielema is missing right now is that that in-between of juniors and seniors that can bridge the gap or maybe even sophomores with this first recruiting class of getting to his recruits that he's bringing in now. And we can see the talent of Fagan, even a Malik Elzey or Toby or Sabor Kareem. But those guys just need more development. Yeah, it's the benefit of being in year seven, Yeah, right? I mean, that, that is – it can't go understated. I feel like sometimes it does. It, it just does because – you want results quickly mm-hmm. and especially the way those like offensive line for Illinois there's not a lot of depth that they're playing much better that's I know we're going to touch on that very shortly uh, but there's just not a lot of depth there and like the, the positions that Minnesota has depth at take time to develop it. and it's the benefit of being in year seven knowing what you're de- doing developing them knowing what you're looking for developing them yeah. and once you get that like you can start thinking of teams like that right but we Programs that are built on the offensive line need time to get those guys ready to go. Minnesota has that. Illinois is getting there. Yeah, and Flex first couple of years kind of mirrored Bielma. I mean, he's five and seven first year, second year seven and six. Uh, Bielma, and then he went eleven and two. Right, that twenty nineteen year where it was what Tyler Johnson, uh, Rashad Bateman uh, on those teams, just a fantastic uh, passing offense. And then they went three and four to the COVID year, but since then nine and four, nine and four, five and three. Like so consistent. Yeah, just consistently in that top three of the Big Ten West and usually top seven, top eight of the Big Ten. I know they want more. They want to win that Big Ten West title. They've come so close. And Illinois spoiled that a couple years ago with their win over the number 20 ranked uh, Gophers in, in 2021. But that's what you want. That, that That's not a bad existence for a program in Minnesota that struggled for most of the, what, decade before uh, between Glenn Mason and, and P.J. Fleck. So that's what Illinois is looking for in Bielma. Maybe needs a little bit more time, but boy – 
if you can end the season a little bit better, Joey, you'd feel better about building and recruiting that depth that, that Fleck has built. Yeah, Bielman, Fleck, personality-wise, very, very different individuals. Most people are different personality-wise than P.J. Fleck. Uh, but a lot of their values of program building and how they, what they look for, how they go about it, how they develop, those are pretty similar. Have you They're noticed, like, Bielma mentioned this a couple of times. Yes. Me and PJ are very different people, but I respect what he has done. Because he had, was it Carter Coughlin that played for him with the Giants? He said Carter raved about him, about the, you know, their fundamentals in the program, what they believed in. So you got to, that's how I've always been with PJ. He's not my cup of tea, but boy, you got to respect what he's done there. I I, I know Illini fans are sitting there going like, man, I didn't know this was a Minnesota love podcast, but that's kind of the program you want to build. And then you want to be able to, you want to have this guy who's won these big 10 championships before to elevate you past that, but you've got to get there to go past it. And I, I know Illinois came so tantalizingly close last year. And here's the reality before we move on from the Minnesota love fest, that <laughs> half the people have hung up on us on doesn't matter if we like PJ Fleck or if people listening like PJ Fleck, if the guys who commit to him and play for him and stick around to play for him, like him, the rest of it doesn't really matter. It's not a huge wave of transfers out of that program either, right? Like, and, and a lot of transfers want to go there. Like, they've done really well getting uh, kids from Western Michigan the last couple of years. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Joey, what gives you the most confidence about this game at Minnesota for Illinois? The way the offensive line has played in the last two weeks. Like Bart Miller said today, we've been a factor in games. He meant a positive factor in games because they were certainly for the first half of the season a negative factor in games. But they are they're playing, they're showing, they're not what they were a year ago, but they're showing flashes of of that still being in the tank, right? And that that ability to to run, control the trenches. But the line played pretty well against Wisconsin. You go back to how they ran the ball at Maryland. Like, they're getting there. A lot of that coincides with health. Zy Chrysler was not very good earlier in the year. By he was all, not healthy. By the, he was not healthy by, by what we can get. And, like, there's continuity. Health bridges, breeds continuity. So to have some of those guys, Isaiah Adams, with more of these games, knowing that Zy Chrysler is now next to him. You go on the other side, Josh Geske – you know, maybe not quite as much continuity because he had missed a, a little bit of time there before the open week. But you're starting to see that come together. Anyway, it's not going to be a Joe Moore semifinalist or, or whatever the case may be. But if it's good enough for them to be able to run the ball effectively, to be able to protect Luke Allmeyer, still a work in progress, certainly there on both fronts. But that is showing signs of what we thought it could be before the season. We thought it'd be better. Obviously, everybody did. But you're starting to see a little bit of that Illinois identity come back to the offensive line. The first week, six weeks of the season, Illinois was the worst offensive line in the Big Ten. 
okay? Uh, the last two weeks, they've looked like potentially the best offensive line in the Big Ten West, maybe Minnesota ahead of them. Um, I thought they were better than Wisconsin's offensive line two weeks ago. Uh, Maryland has some talent on their offensive line. I thought Illinois' offensive line performed really well in that game. They look like the offensive line we thought they would be, Joey, which is not a great elite one, but a good one. Like This would be a strength of the team. The last two weeks, the offensive line has been a strength of the team. I know they've given up some sacks. Um, some of those are coverage uh, the last couple, especially against Wisconsin late in that fourth quarter. They didn't give up a sack against Wisconsin, which is a really good pass rush during the first three quarters. And most importantly, they're just being physical. Caden Fagan helps, but I thought there were more yards to be had if Josh Geske were the left guard in that game. Like, I thought Hunter Whiteneck struggled and going through some growing pains. But I thought the rest of that group were great. Julian Pearl's playing the best football of his career. Isaiah Adams looks like Isaiah Adams again, looks comfortable at right tackle. Zy Chrysler looks like Zy Chrysler of last year, of how we would have projected him going into his second year, right? Like, he looks like the player we thought he could be this year. And Josh Cruz has just been solid. Um, so I, I think that offensive line has become a strength of the team. So I, I, I do list that. The other one is Luke Altmeyer, man. He's the better quarterback in this game. He needs to play like it. Um, He's got to avoid those turnovers. But the last two weeks, his one turnover is what should have been a pass interference call, right? So that is really encouraging the way not only his playmaking, but the way he's avoiding some of these back-breaking mistakes. Uh, And he's – you know, Ryan Burns was just on the podcast, and he said, Luke Altmaier looks like the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Now, that's not (laughs) the greatest title, but he is a playmaker. And a lot of these quarterbacks in the Big Ten West just are not. So the fact that I have a guy who I feel like can make plays to change the game, big, explosive plays, gives you a chance as long as he doesn't make those huge mistakes to go along with him. Yeah, I agree with that. But a counterpoint, it feels like we've said that a few times this this yeah. year, right? That they've Consistency got the best quarterback. That they've got the guy. Like Now it's time to, to go be that. Like There's a lot of times that we've said, hey, they've got a quarterback who can go go on the road and lead your team to a win. And, and they've fallen short of doing that in those instances. Now it's your ninth start in the big 10. You got that. Go, go, go do yeah. it. And, and not all of them certainly have fallen on him for the reason they weren't able to do it. Illinois had a litany of issues. Yeah. He was not the problem. He was not the problem against Wisconsin. Like a holding call really hurt them in the offense there. Um, receivers really struggled to get separation. Maryland, he was really good, right? Like Maryland, he was a good player at, probably the better quarterback in that game to be honest with you which is saying something how good Talia is yeah but now if you're, if you're that guy and yep. like you you've got that quarterback advantage you need to maximize the quarterback advantage that's not trying to, to downplay what Luke Altmaier has done but like there's a reason we're talking about him as being the better quarterback in the match because he is and you want to see him kind of take this thing and, and pull it along if he needs to do that and he might not need to do that yeah. right that might not be something that's asked of him and in the sense like they're running well yeah in that case well and that helps him right the, the more you can run the football well and not put Luke Altmaier in third and long situations not to put the offensive line in third and long situations that certainly helps him and Barry Loney Jr but yeah even Barry's mentioned this like we are really encouraged about what he's done like the, the things he can do now it's about consistency and that's what a veteran does and right now he's going into start number nine this season like now it's time to start looking like a, a junior, right? Like he's a redshirt sophomore now, but now it's time to start looking like a veteran starting quarterback and really limiting uh, those big, just big mistakes, those negative plays uh, that can hurt Illinois. And probably hitting some singles. Yes. There's, there's More been some singles we, we've seen him just not hit. And 
He's hit a lot of doubles, a couple triples. Uh, you see him just this value in three, four yard passes, yes. just to to get up to it and get another one there. And again, that that's just a lot of what we this season. If you take out the Penn State stats, is exactly what we thought the season was going to look like for Luke Altmaier. Some really some highs that you think, okay, if they've got two more years of him after this. That's outstanding news for Illinois and for Illinois. You know, gosh. Mm-hmm. And then some lows where it's like, yep, he did not start a lot before he got to Illinois. Like those are this is what we thought. And the Penn State game skews the numbers in a way that people yeah. just scanning stats are going to look at that and say, well, boy, that's not gone how it should. And that, that's yeah. not fair and accurate, accurate representation. I'm glad you brought up that point though, the singles, because th- those are like the veteran plays like that. You saw Tommy DeVito, like just take the single, take the five yards, get the second and five. Those are the plays that he needs to do more consistently. I think he's been a little bit better at those, but and Barry's got to scheme those things up too. It's like and, and make sure that that's the hammer point. Like we want you to take your shots when you got your shot. Like you got Casey Washington one on one, that's proven to work. You got Isaiah Williams one on one in the slot on a slot fade, you take that shot. Pat um, Ryan. Yes, but especially against Minnesota, if if there's like a zone coverage and you want to try and sneak it in uh, before the safety and over the linebacker. Nah, Let's just check it down to Aiden Lawfrey. And <laughs> let's get to let's get to second and seven uh instead and, and see if what we can do. All right, last one, Joey. What's the biggest thing Illinois need to accomplish or take a step towards accomplishing on the recruiting trail last week? Uh I've got two. So why don't you start? Because I can I can merge around what you have. Yeah, uh I got two things listed too, so I'm sure we have the same things. Number one, I I'll let you handle the JUCO thing. Keep your commits. Keep your commits. Uh, that is really important this time of year, and there is, uh, it is not a surprise and is not a coincidence that Brett Beum on a Friday night, his one free Friday night, was in Starkville, Mississippi, to see Trey Petty. Uh, him and Barry Loney Jr. both decided to go to that game because he is really important because I think he is the best prep quarterback prospect they have gotten committed so far. Uh, respect to Donovan Leary and Cal Swanson. I think Donovan has a high floor. I think Cal Swanson has a high ceiling, but he's still got to develop a lot. But Trey Petty, I think, is the best quarterback prep prospect they have. And of course, Mississippi State going hard after him. I have a big question of whether Mississippi State will have a new coach or not uh, come December, but uh, Trey Petty is really important to this class. He's the type of quarterback depth you need to start getting. Uh, and, of course, all these other guys uh, that, you, that you have committed, they're trying to get more prospects. A.J. Dennis, the offensive lineman out of Michigan, they're going hard after. Dylan Stevenson, uh, we know the Illinois assistants, we're, we're in to see some of those guys that they're trying to get. Uh, but keeping your commits at this point uh, with a 3-5 three and six, three and five record and uh, maybe not the season you want is really important. We did have the same two. And before I get to mine, I, w- I want to follow up on the Trey Petty thing. Let's take Isaiah Williams out of the conversation because he ended up as a wide receiver, and I think – Pretty much every school saw that, except for Illinois. Since you've been covering Illinois, hmm. go back before Bielema, and some of this is unfair, but we're just talking about as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah was a great quarterback prospect, too. Like, I still think... I know, and for me, I'm just saying throw him out because he's, he's yeah. a receiver right now, and a lot of programs saw him as a receiver. Obviously, the answer is him if you put him in that conversation. Yeah, uh, going back through this list... I mean, Karan Taylor had things I liked physically. Physically, he had those. MJ Rivers was a pretty good prospect. Um, but, man, Trey with the dual threat, I think he's more refined than Karan Taylor was. 
Um, man, I think you'd probably have to go back to Riley O'Toole. No, because I mean the Cubit era, they didn't get a bunch of top prospects. We were talking about Jimmy Fitzgerald and Chase Crouch and um, guys like that. Um, so yeah, Lovey Isaiah Williams was by far his best. Karan Taylor was talented. MJ Rivers was talented. But I I, I think Trey Petty would be up there. Um, probably a Trey Karan and MJ Rivers would probably be my top three. But probably since Riley O'Toole for me. That's a big deal. That's why you're in Starkville, Mississippi on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, Tommy DeVito played first, took a snap at quarterback, being the first Illinois quarterback in 20 years to do that. Look at Illinois football the last 20 years, right? Yeah. Like you've got to, got to have it. So you, you took mine. Keep your commits, and then go out and and when you're not wor- working on keeping your guys, we saw like George McDonald's. George McDonald was down to see Carlos, or if you go and see your commits because you want them to know that. Hey, you've been committed for five months, six months, but we didn't forget about you. We're still in on, like, we're still all here. And then you want to go shoot your shot for, for a Dylan Stevenson, for an A.J. Dennis, for, for whatever other high school prospects you think you can flip or you think are out and available. But then Brett Bielma got on a plane early last week and hit JUCOs because junior college recruiting really didn't pay off last, last recruiting cycle. It hasn't to this point. Uh, but it really, really did before that. And a lot of the guys we talked about earlier in this podcast with Isaiah Adams and Zy Chrysler, the offensive line market, I know this isn't the most fun thing to hear all the time. If you, if you can move, if you've got power, if you've got size, and you can play offensive line, you're going to have a lot of people after you. Like a lot, a lot of people, and the competition to get them is going to be intense. So you want to go after that, and you want to get that done early and, and try to go out and make some work in that junior college market. Yeah, and Desmond Schuster, they expected to make an impact, I think, this year if he didn't have the the medical issues that he did. So, you know, some people tweet at me, like, this Juco thing did not work out for the offensive line. I'm like, it still has. I mean, I say Adams is your second-best offensive lineman, at least this year. And, I mean, at times he was looked like your best offensive lineman, right? Like last year, he was in the running for me, potentially to be the best offensive lineman on a team that had Alex Pelcheski on it. So uh, he's been a huge success. Zy Chrysler started the last two years. I know how bad the beginning of the year went. The last two weeks, he's looked good. Like He has looked like a good starting Big Ten guard. Um, and if you didn't have Zy Chrysler, you've seen the other options, Joey. Like it's it's not that good right now, so um, and they thought Schuster would make an impact. So I'm not going to say it's going to fix all your offensive line issues, but boy, you need to go look for it. And Brett Bielma said they looked at 14 linemen. He didn't say offensive linemen, which I found very interesting. He said linemen because they are looking at JUCO defensive linemen as well. They looked at a JUCO edge rusher and offered Daniel Brown, who's leading the NC and National Junior College Association in sacks right now, like a five-sack lead on everybody. So I found that interesting, especially with the Gabe Backus conversation we were having. They need edge? Well, they might if they move one of their better edges uh, to the defensive line. But yeah, you, you need, what, two offensive linemen? Two defensive linemen? Transfers? I, I would That would be my goal, is to get two guys, one that can start definitely on the offensive line, Two guys in the defensive line, one that can definitely start, uh, and then you look to the transfer portal as well. So uh, I think those are the two by far biggest transfer needs for this team. Uh, so I'm not surprised they went back. They have good 
good contacts there. Bart Miller and Brett Bielema have built good contacts the last couple of years, uh, both in the Kansas Juco's, which is obviously a huge one, and then down in Mississippi where they've gone. I'm sure they went last week. So um, it's important that they find a couple guys there. Brett Bielema said he looked at 14 linemen. They cut that list to about eight or seven. He said, so that they're going to focus on. Uh, they've been pretty stealth about who those people would be, but there's a lot of talent down at those JUCO levels. And we know, Joey, like, yeah, you'd love to get the transfer offensive line or transfer defensive line. Those are expensive. Those are really expensive and really competitive. Like Keyshawn Blackstock, one of the top JUCOs. Illinois had him on official last year. They were in the running for him. He barely played at Michigan State. Look at his offer list as a, as a transfer portal guy. Like, all these SEC, Big Ten schools, Big 12 schools are offering him just because he's talented and everybody needs offensive line. Yeah, it's, it's backups that will hit the portal. Uh, backups of programs that develop offensive linemen, they're going to go do very well for themselves. So it's, it's, it's a market. That's what the market's set right now. Uh, so, yeah, and, and look, Brett Bielema, especially when he's talking recruits and especially when he's talking about offensive linemen because the market's so insane – he can keep that pretty quiet. He, he prefers to keep that quiet. We've heard him mention before. I don't know that I would say it's a 1 million percent truthful, uh, but when Illinois offers, he says other programs jump in. And there certainly is an element that you've seen that happen, but some of that might also just been going to have happened anyway. Uh, but he, he likes to find the correlation. Maybe there is some that exists. But, and but I think they, been, so he keeps it down. He keeps it quiet. They kept Zach Chrysler very quiet. Like they, they oh, didn't exceptionally want, they did not want anybody to know that this kid was a qualifier. Like they're like, if if they hear he's a qualifier, all these SEC schools are gonna come in and by the time you know everyone else kind of learned Illinois had offered him, Illinois had it all done. Like it was like, oh, he's gonna enroll in a couple weeks. So uh that was really, really big uh for them. All right, Joey, let's go to our picks to click for the Minnesota game. Uh last week, two weeks ago, you picked Pat Bryant. For Wisconsin, a one catch for 27 yards. Started well, did not end well. Uh, bad drop there. I had Zy Chrysler. Do I win 66.1 PFF grade? I would say you do. All right. Uh, and then I picked Taz Nicholson. Had a pass breakup, 71 PFF grade. You had Nicario Harper, 70.8 PFF grade. So I'll, I'll call that a draw. We'll give you the win overall on the week. And you got it for picking Zy Chrysler. Good for you. Good for Zy Chrysler for, for getting back because let me, let's just really quickly – like the way that season started for still a relatively young lineman who was like that could have that could have derailed like yeah. that could have really spiraled so good for the staff for getting him back in at right guard I think you, we mentioned it for, I think we mentioned we felt bad for him like it was obvious there was an issue he he was not playing well at right tackle that was not a, and I, I put that more on the staff than the kid because he barely repped. He was hurt with the ankle injury. And then to throw him out there against some good teams. And in Kansas, obviously, Toledo has won seven, eight straight games here. Um, so Illinois, that win actually looks like it's holding up really well. But it's just he was not ready to play that position, had not practiced enough at that position. So I felt bad for him. So the move has eventually paid off. Um, I think the last couple of weeks. So I feel, I feel great for the kid that he's bounced back. Cause that, that could not have been easy. I mean, these kids read social media and they see it and that's why you try not to make it personal, but it's obviously they need to make a switch and that's why they did make a switch. And they know how they're playing too. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's, you're obviously always going to defend, you know, who you are. And it's a very tough position to play, but he knew, I mean, I, I would have to think he knew. So good for him. Like that, that could have gone a different way. That, that, yeah. that, this season really could have gone, a different way. So offense, pick to click. 
See that transition? I'm pretty mm-hmm. good at this. Watch out. Watch out. I'm, hey, I'm, you you want to take the wheel <laughs> sometime? I'll let you take it. I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> Who is my offensive? We can't pick Isaiah anymore, right? I mean, now I guess you could because he, he's actually been held to his three lowest yards from scrimmage this season the last three weeks, which is, no, uh, which is a problem. Because that's, that is weird. That, that doesn't happen long. They had a whole week to figure out how to get this guy the ball in every imaginable way. So what do you have to get? Down. What do you have to get? 80 plus yards for to win with Isaiah Williams? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, you can go higher if you want. Like, let's say 84 and a half. If he's over 84 and a half, I'd say that's a win. Yeah, and if he has like a touchdown and 60 yards, I'll give it to you. Um, okay. Two years Our ago. Rules, by the way, did not last very long. Like, no Isaiah, no Johnny. I yeah. think we've already thrown those out. Um, all right. I should just go Fagan to match you. Or take the guy who's going to get 20 touches. I'm going to I'm going to go off the beaten path, but there's a lower bar for me to win because of this. Um, but two years ago, this guy scored his first touchdown in Minneapolis. Remember who that was? Tip Ryman. Tip Ryman. I'm going with Tip Ryman touchdown. Need to need so to use you, him. How, so what do you? How do you? How does Tip win here? Is it? If he has like a, a touchdown, I think I should get the benefit of the doubt here. But I don't know, three or four catches in a tutty. Okay, that's fine. Okay, I'm going to tip Ryman. Um, I think they'll get in the red zone a couple times, and I like that they used him uh, last game. Used the tight ends a little bit. All right, defense picked a click. Who you got, Joey? Uh, you... Kanena? Kanena Otoluga? I like the idea of them dialing up some pressure, especially without Johnny Newton. He's a candidate for that, very certainly. If they're going to stop the run, he's going to be involved in that, and he's going to be heavily involved in that linebacker spot. And I think those two, him and Rosiak, are playing – they're still playing really good ball. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty clear to me. I'm sure I would get pushed back if I mentioned this. If I asked Brett Bielemer or Andy Boo about this, but it's clear to me those are the two top linebackers on the team right now. Yeah. So I'll take him. Honorable mention to Dylan Rosiak, but I'll, I'll go Kamena. So if it's only a half of Johnny Newton, can I pick Johnny Newton? Because a half of Johnny Newton's probably better. Yes, yes we, that's the only way. If I'm taking Isaiah, you can take Johnny Newton because he's only playing a half. I'm not going to. I'm taking the next – well, I'm not going to say next Johnny Lame. Newton. I'm, I'm taking the guy who's going to probably be playing his spot. That's Gay Backus. All right. Narrative, Joey. I'm always loving it. I loved what I saw from him as an interior defensive lineman. I, I think you you gained 20 pounds in the offseason uh, of strength. I think he can be a next-level defensive lineman and be versatile. Like He can play the five technique. He can play, I think, the three technique uh, and be really disruptive. But they need him. Uh, they need him to, to make an impact. And maybe livens him up a little bit because he was he was struggling like you know charlie bowen and said like he's frustrated brett bielma had said he's frustrated so i think that can liven him up a little bit you're gonna need your other outside linebackers to perform better with gabe if he's gonna be playing on the inside but i'm gonna go with gabe back is playing in the defensive line so how does the second half work when johnny's back because we don't know about keith but but what does that look like for gabe to you great question i think it depends on keith right uh it probably depends on keith and i don't know what their strategy is going to be is it going to be the bare front five down linemen here you know three down linemen with the two outside linebackers are they going to go to that with the team that loves to run the football and they'll probably run a lot of man coverage against a passing offense that doesn't scare them that much um but they last week against wisconsin they ran more four defensive linemen right they they more more of a four two five and kind of had 
guys widen those B gaps. Gabe Ackes and Johnny Newton, and then they have their linebackers filling in the A gap. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see, but that's what I like about this defensive system. Uh, I know Purdue's struggling this year. I know Illinois is not living up to what it did last year, but the fact that you can be versatile, the fact that they can be multiple, I think is, is really good, and I think it's good for these players when you're going to the next level. Yeah, I agree. There's something I was going to say. I cannot remember what that was, but we knew like when, when this all started in 21, we all knew versatility was going to be key. Then it played out, then it's continued to play out. I think you, know, you can argue against their decisions to go zone at the times they've gone zone, but I think – they have a lot in their pocket defensively to be able to do. How much do they do at a high, high level? I don't know that you could say that, like you could say about the way they played man a year ago. Which is why the they way... simplified things after, I think, first there's two games. It's like, oh, we got all these new guys. We need to simplify it a little bit. That's right. But I, I think they've also, and to steal a term from a few weeks ago, they've also done a good job of pretty routinely changing the picture, whether that's dropping the outside linebackers or not, or man or zone. Uh, you would just like to have maybe seen in the bye week they they lean in to what they're very good at. They, they've identified we're very good at X, Y, or Z and, and really lean into that. So I think that's a little underlying subplot to go into this. And since there's no space for it, normal weeks, mm-hmm. I'm already going to call my pick to click for Iowa defensively, and it's going to be Hugh Robertson. I think <laughs> we put him defensively, and I think we could see a punt off in Iowa. Punter off. I don't know why that came to mind. I was like, when do we, how do we pick a specialist here? What, what, how do we work them into this conversation? Could he be an offense? He might be the offensive pick, right? Because Torrey Taylor is probably the best offensive player on Iowa. All right. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, Joey Wagner, looking forward to uh, getting a Juicy Lucy in Minneapolis. Uh, see you on Friday, man. All right, man. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org thank you to ryan burns and joey wagner for their insight on illinois minnesota upcoming this week and of course joey wagner and i will be up in minneapolis this weekend one of my favorite cities in the big 10 uh to visit because it is a big city there's a lot to do and uh it's also one of my underrated stadiums in the big 10 and i'll leave you with that the Big Ten West does stadiums pretty well, now that I think about it. Um, Wisconsin, I'm a little underwhelmed when you get in there. Like, it's a little old, uh, but boy, they fill it up most of the time. Not last year. <laughs> and, and this year, attendance not as great. But Luke Fickle will get that up and rolling again. That's a fun fun town to visit, though. Uh, college campus-wise, in the Big Ten, that's, that's up there. Um, so, while the stadium's not the best, uh, the college campus is really good. Iowa is probably 
one of my favorites. The fans are right on top of you on that field. Um, the wave is great. The atmosphere is great. The fans fill that stadium up, even if they don't score points. But they win a lot of games. Um, but that's one of my favorites. The, the college town's great. The campus, I think the tailgating and the bars around that is, is great. But uh, just the Kinnick experience, I think, is really cool. Like not Maybe not the greatest stadium or whatever, but it's, it's a really cool environment with everything going around across it. And just the yellow and black, like, I love that color scheme for some reason. But Minnesota's kind of sneaky great. It's always really cold, except for two years ago when Illinois uh, had the upset. Kirby Joseph did a backflip after the game, too. That's what I remember. But it's usually pretty cold when we go up there because it's usually November in Minneapolis. But the city's great, but the, the stadium is is really good. You know, the attendance is usually around what Illinois gets, you know, usually 35 to 50, somewhere in there. But uh, the, the stadium, they did a fantastic job. Um, and it kind of looks over the campus, which is kind of across the river from downtown. Uh, and it's just easy to get around everywhere. Uh, it's just a good city to navigate. So it's kind of underrated. Like, if Illinois has a game in September, October in Minneapolis, I would, I would say go to that one. Nebraska's one of the best experiences, too. Like, that is pushing Iowa for me. The Haymarket District's awesome. If you can get a hotel for under $300 in Lincoln uh, before a game, that's 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 a good experience, but uh, the Nebraska Stadium Memorial Stadium is great there. Uh, the fans are fantastic; they fill that place. That's up there too. So I, I just really like some of those environments. The Big House is huge. I still haven't been to Ohio Stadium. Uh, Penn State—it's a giant erector set, guys. A lot of people. A lot of people. Michigan State uh, or Mich- Michigan and Penn State—tons of people. But uh, I, the stadiums aren't like ridiculous. Michigan's just a big bowl kind of underground, and you keep going down, and it's just like, how many people can they fit in here? Well, it's over 100,000. Penn State, they can fit almost 100,000. Ohio State's obviously up there, too. Michigan State, run of the mill. You know, Illinois, you know, it's not the greatest in-stadium experience. I understand that, but just uh, the outdoor aesthetic of Memorial Stadium at Champaign is pretty up there. I mean, Grange Grove is phenomenal. The columns are phenomenal. So just the out, outside aesthetic, the tailgating spots, there's not many spots in the Big Ten where you can like just pull up to the stadium and then you're in the tailgate. So I, I think that's really unique for Illinois. So I think for opposing fans, Illinois is actually a fun place to go to. Um, and in recent years, you couldn't outnumber Illinois at the end of games, uh, fans at least, uh, at those games. So I think Illinois is kind of an underrated place to go for some of these fans. Um, Maryland, Rutgers, Maryland's just kind of outside D.C. It's not a big football school. Rutgers, obviously. Um, Purdue's really upgraded their stadium in recent years. Still not, like, the go-to campus. Uh, Indiana's a lot of concrete, a lot of concrete. But I remember last year, way better crowd than I expected, and that campus is a lot of fun. So uh, going on Big Ten trips, I think some of those in the Big Ten West are some of the most fun. Nebraska, Iowa would probably be my top two. But Minneapolis, not far behind. If you can get there when it's not 20 degrees, because it gets frigid up there. But even like Williams Arena, the barn, I I think that's a cool experience. So uh, just some of my takes on, on some of those stadiums. I always enjoy going up to Minneapolis and covering a game against Minnesota. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe, 
hit the like button, hit the notifications bell. That really helps us out. And don't forget, you can go VIP at any time for just $1 for your first month and check out all the VIP information analysis at IlanaInquire.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquire podcast. Bye, everybody. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.